You're about to listen to part two of our conversation with the Darling Buds. If you haven't listened to part one, you definitely do not want to miss it. This episode will talk more about the latter part of the Buds' career, what they're up to now, their glorious new box set Killing for Love out now on Cherry Red, and our top two choices for our songs with heart. So now, sit back, relax, and enjoy Only Three Lads. with the darling buds one conspicuous absence from the box set that i wanted to ask about is the uh tracks from the long day in the universe Uh single Uh, including uh. so matt it had to be probably your first or one of your first songs that you brought to the band right there's nothing about you that makes me feel okay yeah yeah well i've recorded a couple of these sides before that and then just before we went to the state for the tour we went into the went to a studio in london to do some more recording with the boo radley's because we shared management with the Boo Radleys, and they were they were really good in the studio. The two guys, Tim and Marty. Martin. Martin. They, yeah. they, you know, uh, management suggested they were put forward to be prospective producers for the next album. So I think they were we were recorded with them for that reason, really. And um, anyway, the reason that not on the box set is because that was financed by the U.S. arm of Sony. Was it Chaos? Yeah, and um, Cherry Red, they have trouble getting things from the, uh, licensing things from the US um, of Sony. Americans. I mean, it was originally on the box. I mean, it was all proved, um, mm. um, you know, first drafts of the booklet and the, and the box had those tracks on there and they had to be removed really late because, um, you know, they just couldn't get the... I mean, not they couldn't get permission. They didn't ask for permission, I think, initially. And then Sony sort of found out and said, you can't have them. And uh, Cherry Red sort of, uh, I think they kind of assumed they could, but they, they couldn't in the end. So uh, they had to pull them off. And yeah. they, they said, like, we could pursue it, but we tried this before with other things and it takes years and it's just not worth the, not worth the hassle. Hopefully they'll come out on some other format at some mm, point. Because I think the peel sessions, are, peel sessions are missing as well. Is that right, Mo? Yeah, same reason. Same reason. Yeah. I think it's because Janice, yeah. Janice Long yeah. session. We put all these oh. tracks forward, but it's all to do with licensing, yeah. and it's a, it's 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 a mm. shame, really. You know, we don't own anything, and it's exactly we don't own it. Even if you went and re-recorded it. Yeah. You still don't own it because it was it was written during that time that you were under contract. Yeah. So yeah, it's it's weird, really. But... The suits screw everything up every time. I am tired of suits. If you Ooh. don't walk around with any you know tread on your bottom of your shoe, you're probably evil. That's the way I look at yeah. life and yeah. this spaceship <laughs> yeah. Earth. Because yeah. it's always those people who are always screwing everything up. You know, it's like you have good music. You made it. It came from your heart, your brain and everything, but somebody else owns it. And instead of doing anything with it, they leave it in vaults that catch on fire and then ruin the masters. Mm. Yeah, it's true. I don't understand why. Why it can't even, you know, why it couldn't be used. But hopefully the stars will align because I think a Darling Buds BBC Sessions album would be fantastic. Yeah, Yeah, well, I think that could possibly Mm -hmm. happen. I think it was just a case of the Cherry Red's particular way they license things from the BBC. 
there's a particular clause that um, the fans have to be signed to an indie label uh, at the time. So uh, it was something. It was because mm. because the buds signed to a major label quite early. I think that was the thing that slightly scuffed it. But the work that Cherry Red does is oh, yeah. amazing. Mm. I mean, as mm. much as they license, I mean, they have a constant stream oh, of reissues yeah. coming out, and yeah. some of the things they put out is just mind-boggling. Mm. Mm-hmm. And they don't actually ask. You know, it's it's not about getting the band's permission. They can do it anyway. But it was nice for them to, you know, yeah. to get in touch and have our input because, yeah, you know, it's we, we were interviewed and told, um, you know, we, we put together the package and um, Harley, uh, the photograph on the front was one of Harley's and um, all the photographs are, are from our own collection. So it is good that they work with the bands for that reason, but really they, you know, they, they can do it without the band's um, agreement to it. Yeah. They could have just licensed the albums. And, yeah. You know, raided Sony's, Sony's Release them anyway. And yeah. We have, could have had no involvement in it. It wouldn't have been the extra discs with the, uh, our own, our own curated selections on. So it was nice. See, now those are good executives because they get you emotionally involved in, you know, putting this stuff out again. Mm. And it makes it more exciting for the fans because you guys are excited. They're excited. We're excited. Cool. Everyone's excited. That's what's kind of cool about that whole label. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. If in a row. But I think you're right. The Ch- Cherry Red do that. Uh, CBS or Chaos wouldn't have done anything like that with, with any of our material, yeah. you know. And at the time when we were signing contracts sort of 30 years ago, that's how the music industry was then. It was, this is what you do and this is what happens and it's how it is. You either sign or you don't. And at the time you just think, well, I'm not going to progress if I don't sign. So you sign something not realizing that that's going to be it for the next 50 years that someone else is going to own it and they can do what Mm -hmm. they want with it and leave it or do something with it. And it's a shame. And Mm. I think a lot of young artists coming up now is a lot of DIY. I mean, the DIY ethic in the UK is quite big and, you know, home, home studio recording now and being able to release stuff yourself. But these bands struggle because they haven't got the backing behind Mm -hmm. them. But then social media is a lot different nowadays and they can push themselves through social media, get a mm-hmm. good following that way. Whereas we didn't have any of that in our day. There was, right. you had to get out and you had to promote yourself. The only way of doing it was to get out there and do it and work hard. Whereas a band nowadays could sit in their room, promote themselves and have done no gigs and produce something themselves. And it will sell um, something like Bandcamp or these other platforms. It's just so different now. And it maybe, is. you know, maybe. Would we have done something different? I don't think we had the choice at that time. Yeah. Well, back in your day, you would go on tour to promote an album. Now you yeah. put out an EP to go oh. on tour. So it's completely yeah. different. That's where all the money is, is yeah. in merch and, yeah. and yeah. you know, on, yeah. on the road. Yeah. For most bands, it is. Yeah. That's, they, they rely on that. I think we gave away a lot of our money to our merchandise a lot. Uh, we lost a lot there. I don't think we ever really made yeah, I think bands have got a lot more, they've got a lot more control now though. bands have made it. It's uh, you can become a little DIY, self-sustainable unit without even thinking about getting signed to any sort of label now. And then you can own everything. The only trouble really now is there's so many bands. You know, you've got, it's uh, everything's yeah. out there. Whereas, whereas back in the day, you were kind of, uh, the public was funnel-fed whatever they'd signed and got on to be played on the radio or MTV. Now everything's out there. 
you know, you can you can go yeah. go find anything anywhere, any but listen to anything, which is great. But it's the pie is 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 everyone's grabbing for a smaller definitely part of a yeah. Big pie. You need that in a way. You need that kind of guide that we don't have now. You're right. I mean, I have a feeling that some of the greatest music ever created is being made right yeah. now, but a lot of people will never. Yeah, because it. it's just in a morass of everything else, and unless the connections yeah. are made. You can't sort of, um, there's no one curating it, you know, to sort of, uh, you know, get it to a wider public. I don't know if that's a good or bad thing, though. Mm. When I was a kid, you bought the music papers and you listened to John Peel yeah. and you went out and you mm -hmm. bought the music papers and you, you scoured them and you read and you thought, that band sounds interesting. I'll go and see them live when they come to my town next. You saw them live and it was like either, oh, okay, I'll give that a miss or wow. <laughs> and then you'd, you'd go in and you'd order their record. And you'd have to wait for it to come in. You pick well, it up. Yeah. You get it. And then you'd invest all your money in that band because you love them. Nowadays, you spread your money out a bit. It's like, oh, there's so much choice. It's like, do I really want to spend my money on there or there or there? And it's, you could be very picky these days. There's a thing with um, streaming services, which I kind of think is a good thing. I know it's not a popular opinion among musicians, but the sort of try before you buy element with it, I think it's is really good because I spend a lot of my disposable income on music and um, I, you know, I'd like to you know, really know that I like something before I buy it. I mean, one of the problems in the, in the old days was you'd get music papers digging something up. You go and buy it and you get it home and you think, oh, you like it, you know? <laughs> and sometimes yep. you'd have to play it to death till you did like it, you know, fuck <laughs> I like it. But you don't, there's none of that anymore. You don't yeah. have to make that. Because you just yeah, things, would, things yeah, would get yeah, hyped yeah. up, couldn't they? Get hyped up much easier, particularly if you were signed to, as we were, CBS or Sony. They, um, this whole machine would get behind a band and, um, yeah, they'd be on TV, they'd be on promotional tours in record shops and all that. So, yeah, they had the money behind them to, mm -hmm. to be big, whether, whether the you know, mass audience like them or not. And as the saying goes, you know, enough of it sticks. But music papers were so important well, and they could either make mm, a band well, or break a band. If they didn't like mm -hmm. you and they, you'd had yeah, it, you were scuppered. Yeah. And, and then, mm. you know, they'd write about you and then no one would, would buy, your, buy your records because they'd re read this article. Like, oh God, that's, they're a crap band. We're not going to, mm. the papers don't like them. Particularly so in, in the UK. I think Brr. it was more like that in the UK, wasn't it? Definitely. Yeah, Melody yeah, Maker yeah. and Enemy, they were all powerful. They had a they big influence. Ruthless. They had way too much power, though, I think. They yeah. were ruthless. It was all about pushing out the next big thing. And I remember, because mm. I would go, every week I would read the British music weeklies. Yeah. And I would plot out and make my list on what I was going to buy, you know, particularly yeah. in the Britpop era. And it just became the succession of, again, the next big thing. And eventually the next big thing became less and less exciting as you went along. <laughs> That's right. Until it's like, I'm not buying mm. into it anymore. Yeah. I mean, they've been yeah. proved wrong as mm. well, haven't they, a lot of the writers, because things like the talking heads getting really bad reviews. But I remember Stop Making Sense came out, and they was absolutely panned in the papers. And now they all love it. Everyone's like reappraised it, and it's obviously brilliant, you know. And the, I remember the Beastie Boys second album, yeah. um, Balls Boutique, are absolutely panned in the British music press. And they basically tried to finish the Beastie Boys, I think, because they thought, oh, we've got to move on now. Everyone regards that album now as an absolute classic album. You know, it's uh, 
I think they were trying yeah. to too hard to um, force trends, you know, and uh, get the next big thing going. Yeah, Matt, maybe they were trying to bubble up like controversy to sell the papers. And so they were like, this is yeah, crap. Yeah, and then, yeah. you know, and, and then again, you have people who can and then people who can't. And I, I've been a journalist, so it's kind of like there's a lot of times it's like they're jealous or have like a bad opinion. They think that they're in their bubble and everyone should think this way because they're yeah. so brilliant because mm-hmm. every journalist thinks they wear a cape when they don't. It was particularly the, the British music press, to be honest with you. I mean, I, when we got to the States, we realized it wasn't nearly as tribal and faddish as uh, the yeah. yeah, that's one thing that I remember when we first came to the States to play, how varied the audience was. When you play a gig in like the 80s in the UK, it would either be an all punk crowd, an all indie crowd. You wouldn't get rockers and punks mixing. The UK, you know, in the 80s is still hung over from like the UK in the 50s, you know, sort of teddy boys and then mods and rockers in the 60s. And they still had those tribes going in the 80s, you know, when we were playing gigs, yeah, you know, definitely. and there was no, you know, there'd be violence at some gigs, you know, skinheads and punks and mods and stuff. And you got to the States and, um, you know, it's all these sort of just generally alternative culture, it's all mixing at the gig. And I, I remember going to a gig once, I go, oh, Christ, it's going to kick off the earth. And never they were all talking to each other like normal people should, basically. Not like British people. Everyone's just passing the doob around. Yeah. Yeah. yeah but, the, but that was the good thing yeah. about yeah. America was that you had somebody that had a Judas Priest on their T-shirt was talking to somebody who had misfits on their T-shirt. Uh, yeah, do you know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, it was yeah. like... Or some, some uh, indie band. You wouldn't have seen oh, that. No, they wouldn't go and talk yeah. to each other. <laughs> no. Uh, yeah. yeah. Well, we have something going for us then, at least. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, to bring people together. <laughs> yeah. it, it was. It was very much like that. And, I, and that's what was the great thing about America at the time. It was your, your audience was so varied and they, they went there because they liked you, not because you were in a club or a group or a certain trend. They just said, well, they, hey, didn't, yeah. they didn't have the British know. music press to dictate uh, these sort of cultures, you know. And Was there a magazine called Spin or something? Was there a Spin? Yeah, yeah. Spin. Spin was great. Yeah, I remember Spin, and I think it was, they wrote about everyone. Do mm-hmm. you know what I mean? It was across the board, and you could pick up a Spin magazine and you'd be reading all different genres of music, and, and that was the good thing about America, was you didn't necessarily get that in the UK. Sounds was kind of known for its heavy metal. Enemy was sort of, which used to be a jazz, uh, Enemy used to be a jazz right. rag initially, but became very trendy. Melody Maker was a bit more sort of poppy. I think uh, Enemy, they were they were always sort of... Too um, cool. <laughs> they stung them that they missed out on punk. They dismissed punk when it came along, and it took them about six months to come round to it, and they were always sort of uh, a bit weird. So they, so they were desperate to jump on the next big thing to uh, so they don't miss the boat again. Yeah. yeah, I remember recently on social media, there was a, uh, a enemy end of the year poll. And it, I want to say it was like 78 or 79. It was just like this really weird mix between the old guard and the new guard. So you would have like best singers. You'd have Paul Weller on there, but then you would also have, I don't know, I'm making this up, but Tom Jones or something. <laughs> it was this whole like clash of, of, of cultures coming yeah, through. Yeah, I think I saw that. Yeah, like the old and the new sort of one. Yeah, uh, yeah. Yes. You'd look at it now and you'd look at that list and you'd think, how on earth did that person end up on that list, you know? Yeah, That's right, just right, right, right. so odd that they're stuck in there. <laughs> it's like, 
What's that about? But you said it took a little while for that whole cultural shift to truly take place. I think it's quite hard to understand it as well now because it was it was so um, you know prevalent at the time. But I think like my kids now, they're more they just like all kinds of music. They get a lot of it off the you know off TV films. Um. But Andrea, that's because no one listens to albums as albums anymore. It's all about tracks. No, it's all, true. About, it's all yeah. about that one song. Yeah. Everything is yep. is pushed in each individual song. Watered down, yeah. yeah. Uh, well, what is good about young people listening to the music is there's no ageism like we used to have. You know, like they, mm. they, they just like songs. Like a band had a, a member who was in their late 30s, 40s, really dismissive of them, you know, they passed it. They were, I remember mm. when the Rolling Stones, you know, they had probably in the 80s, were like Undercover came out or something. Mm. I, would, yeah. I remember being like 50, 60, oh God, these old men should get, should have given up years Dinosaurs. ago. Dinosaurs. You know, and that, they were probably like 40 years old or something. You know? so it's, yeah. Uh, but I, I noticed with like my daughter and uh, her friends, it doesn't bother them at all, the age of, you know, they like old, loads of old music, you know, and uh, it's, I think that's quite, it's quite refreshing. It's good for us as old people, <laughs> still in bands. But then, interestingly, Matt, I go to some gigs in Bristol, and I'm probably younger than half the crowd there. Yeah, yeah. Uh, gig it's well. amazing the, <laughs> yeah, the, yeah. the amount of old men at gigs these days. Yeah, I, people who are in their second flush of youth. It feels good, though, right? When you're, when you're still the young guy in the crowd? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, here's what doesn't feel good, because I, I have some friends who work with younger people in their 20s and, you know, 18, 19. And they always ask them when they're at work, because if they're playing music while they're working, they're like, hey, can you play some of that music from the 1900s? And they're talking about it's like, you bastards. Oh, yeah. That's the only thing. But I play a lot yeah. of songs for my son, who's 18. And he's like, is that brand new? So there's a lot of songs and music from that time that just because everything sounds the same now. You know what I mean? Because there's no... There's not as many labels. They don't want to take a chance. And so they all make the music, whatever the trend is, like you're sitting, I always say this, but you know, backstage used to be sex, drugs and rock and roll. And now it's kale and masseuses and I'm on the wings yeah. of a dove and it's all this airy, spacey, like, you know, and I always tell Brett, I want the toilet broken and the cat's pregnant. You know, let's do that. That's, yeah. I want to feel excitement. Yeah. I don't want to feel chill. So yeah. that's what I miss. But it's fun because when you play like uh, Trans X living on video, I play that. My son ran downstairs. Is that brand new? I'm like, no, they're talking about video. We're in digital now, kid. But, but he <laughs> still loves Read that stuff. You know, it's just like, wow. You know, it's like it's brand new to him. Also, ministry, the Bro. you know early ministry revenge is like something that he, you know, banged right on. Oh, the disco stuff. Yeah. So he uh, yeah. he definitely they, they when the kids hear it, they love it. You know, they love it. Mm. So that's why. So now, Andrea, your kids, if they're listening to the Darling Buds, what's what their favorite song? Oh, God. Uh, well, they, they, they come along to the gigs when we've done them recently. Um, God, what do they like? Oh, I, I couldn't I couldn't name a song that they, that they was their favorites. But um, yeah, I mean, Etienne said to me the other day, God, surprised you weren't bigger, ma'am. <laughs> <laughs> she said uh, these songs would, would you know, would uh still stand the test of time now. It must have been me going over the, the cherry red stuff. And uh, yeah, she was sort of bopping along to it. So then like before, like they'd be like, oh, mom, she's not cool. But then you're like, my mom's kind of cool. I don't think they think I'm cool. <laughs> <laughs> no. Well, you are. Well, they would be wrong. They'd no. be wrong, Andrea. Wrong. Oh. 
Hello, Pantheon Podcast listeners. Christian Swain here to tell you more about my experience with Raycon earbuds. Our family now has three pairs of Raycon earbuds around the house, and my wife just grabbed a pair of the headphone pros to replace some headphones from a company that was double the price. And yes, she loves them. Now, if you haven't pulled the trigger on a pair of Raycons, or even if you have, but you're in the market for another pair because they're just that good, well, now is the time to check them out because they just launched their upgraded model of the best-selling everyday earbuds. With Raycon's upgraded everyday earbuds, now you also get active noise cancellation, ergonomic design, and multi-point connectivity that lets you pair with two devices at once. New quick charge function, three customizable sound styles plus awareness mode, available in a variety of vibrant new colors to complement any and all skin tones. I even have a pair of earbuds in a cool green color. I have tried just about every earbud known to humankind, and these Raycons are fantastic. Seriously, if you've been wanting to check out Raycons, there truly is no better time. You're going to ask yourself why you didn't check them out sooner, and Raycon offers a 30-day happiness guarantee. So, what are you waiting for? Go to buyraycon.com slash pantheon today to get 20% off your Raycon order, plus free shipping. That's right, you'll get 20% off and free shipping at buyraycon.com slash pantheon. Buyraycon.com slash pantheon. You're so kind. All right. So now you, number two, Brett. Number two. So for number two, how about a stop in one of our favorite cities, Athens, Georgia, with our friends Pylon and a monster track from their 1980 debut album, Gyrate, called Feast on My Heart. So all the hallmarks of a great Pylon track are here. A killer riff, a popping bass line, and propulsive drumming. Pure magic. Randy Bewley. Mike LaHusky and Curtis Crow. And on top of this angular rhythmic bed, we have past 03L guest Vanessa Briscoe Hay, who growls, howls, challenges, and commands you to meet her demands as only she can. My heart drill a hole in it i want you to drown me in it pick up the scalpel i want you to do it mm. so a lot of times with pylon songs it's not what is said but how it's said and this is about as punk rock as it gets and vanessa is still as fierce and stunning a vocalist as ever she now fronts the collective pylon reenactment society who has grown to be far more than just a pylon tribute in fact they have a full-length album coming out next month and the first single is actually a long lost 1979 song called three by three that would easily fit on gyrate so check it out anyway number two for me pylon feast on my heart okay <laughs> all right everyone's taking notes good to see yeah yeah let's i just need to sharpen my pencil <laughs> take notes friends all right harley okay this is a bit of an obvious one i think uh my again another american influence but this is a track called Ashtray Heart by Captain Beefheart and his magic band. You use me like an ashtray heart. Kiss to the pumps right from the start. I feel like a glass shrimp with a big panty with a sacrament. 
I was massive fan of Captain Beefheart. Safe as Milk is an album I still play and play and play. And I remember when I first heard Trout Mask Replica, it was such a bizarre, bizarre record. I just fell in love with it. It was so different to everything else. This track came out in a much later album, about 90, Doc, Doc at the Radar or something, back in 19, mm-hmm. 1980. So I was just just about to leave comprehensive school and having something different in school was the thing that we did. We used to sort of get these albums and then walk around with them under our arms to show people, hey, you know, this is this is what I listened to and hope, hopefully you'd attract a mate or something, but I never did. Not with my choices. But uh, I'll tell you what's a bad mistake, carrying a Tom Robinson album under your arm. But anyway. Oh, yeah. yeah. In some parts of town that can get you <laughs> yeah. beat up. Yeah. Yeah. This track is just typical, typical. It's just fantastic from start to finish. The guitars, the drum, everything about it is is fantastic. His lyrics are so out there, you know. You use me like an ashtray heart, case of the punks. I'm not even quite sure what it all means, but it's just, it hits me there every time when I hear this, uh, yeah. and a lot of B-Fat does. Safe as Milk is just a classic album uh, for me. Agreed electricity yeah it's like wow where's he coming from you know it was just again and i think i think at the time uh, tom waits and um captain beefart were managed by the same person uh and he used to manage zappa as well you know beefart had yeah had the zappa connection yeah and i and 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 tom tom waits actually toured with Frank Zappa. Oh, wow. Didn't did I know some that. Dates. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In his early days, he was stuck on tour with... I think he had a rough time with Zappa on that on those tours. I didn't know that at the time, but all these sort of three bands come together for me. We're uh, learning a lot about you and your choice of vocalists. Okay. <laughs> yeah. And what have we learned, Brett? Well, you, you kind of like that gruff, weathered voice, right? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, storytellers, something different, something yeah, yeah. a bit different, where you're not quite sure what what it all means. When I was a kid, I didn't really like music that sort of said something political. I didn't want to know anything of that. I wanted to read, I wanted to make something, I wanted to hear something in lyrics that, that I could make it myself. I didn't want to be told what it was all about. And I like stuff like that, sort of Zappa lyrics and some sort of beef art lyrics. Uh, I'm not entirely sure what they're trying to say. And so I make up my own stories around that. And I believe mm. that that's what these songs are about. Tom Waits is very much a storyteller, yeah. tells a lot about his childhood and his youth. And you can pick things out, but still he's out there. I mean, his writing is phenomenal and you can make of it what you will. You could read into it and, and it mm. could be yours. There's nothing definite being said to you. And I quite like that in, in a lot of things. So rough voices and cirrhosis is what our sounds like is a, what you're that's an album title. Okay, uh, yeah. cirrhosis is cool. Hey man, you know what's done for music? I'm just saying. Yeah, it may not. It's, there's always a silver lining. Yeah. Is what I'm reaching yeah. for. Or a black lining, as it may be. Yeah. Andrea. Got another one that you've pulled out? No, I don't, because we did it. We, we um, well, I, Matt and I, I think we thought I thought it was five in total. So my three that I suggested, I've already said. So 
there's loads more, but... Well, then pick just one off the loads more. Just a song that hits your head right now. What do now. we have written down that was... Um, we've said that word. I'm going to pinch them off Harley now because he said Heart and Soul by Joy Division. And Joy Division was a big... Oh, no, that was my number uh, one. Oh, another intelligent mix. Yeah. Oh, no. Sure. It, oh, Crossover's sorry. fine. Sorry, sorry. Yeah, we've already had a crossover. That's all right. We will know uh, that once again, Andrea did it first. <laughs> yes. I'll choose, I'll, choose an, I'll choose another one for my number one. I got, I got a backup. All yeah. Right. But hard, well, hard we, we listened a lot to uh, Joy Division, didn't we? Back, we did. Yeah, we did. Back in the early days. Yeah, the, I loved them. Loads of Manchester bands, but at the end of the day, Joy Division were a band for Manchester that just stood heads and shoulders above everyone else. They were just incredible. I'm just really sad I never got to see them play. And then I got to see very early New Order after just after after he died because they they didn't get to go to america because i think he died just before the american tour the day before Mm -hmm. yeah so that was all cancelled they never got to america they'd all i think they'd already been working on some of the sort of songs that they then did for new order ceremony i know Mm. in particular yeah and you definitely introduced me to joy division and obviously this song in particular was um one of our favorites in that song is just so good mm. but all the Joy Division side the, the drumming and the beat and how yeah. they play, and, yeah. the, and the guitars are quite minimal but they sound so powerful because it's almost mm-hmm. like every note is meant it's got a purpose yes everything on those records is mm. for a reason and it was like made it so powerful you know you often say that silence is the, sometimes the best thing in a record you know and, yeah and what Joy Division could do with space Right, Sonic Space was yes. incredible. Oh, yeah. yeah. It, all, yeah. it also sounded like a happy accident. You know, they were, yeah. the sounds that they got out of their instruments were just, it was struggling to keep it together, but it was so much conviction in it. That sound was just kind of accidental almost. We sounded perfect. The chemistry was perfect. You know, I, th- I always think that people who sound like Joy Division are missing the point of it because Joy Vision kind of just, you know, it was a happy accident, uh, the sounds that came out and, uh, and the, uh, the the way the bass playing goes and the guitar, it's just shouldn't work, but it does because everyone's just, everyone's got each other's back in that band and they're just really powerful. Mm, and unique vocals as well, unique. Yeah. Ian Curtis's right. voice, just amazing, yeah. I, I guess out of the whole sort of post-punk era, they were one of the bands that influenced me the most I'd say Orange Juice Joseph K some of those other bands but because at Manchester at the time you had sort of Joy Division or Buzzcocks and you know okay Buzzcocks were great fantastic but Joy Division was so different I remember when The Cure brought out their sort of Faith and uh, albums like that it was almost a very similar sort of sparse sounding sort of uh, mm-hmm. similar sort of vein excellent and Matt. Okay, now I'm gonna go for Juliana Hatfield's Universal Heartbeat, which is a single from the album she had out in the early 90s. I mean, we, we, it was, it's just, every time I hear the song, it reminds me of being in LA, because it was one of those, apart from having a lot of fun there, 
We spent a lot of time watching telly, MTV and stuff. No, we were working hard. Heavy rotation videos and Universal Heartbeat was one of the, uh, it was kind of, I guess it was a breakthrough single. her before because she was in the Lemonheads briefly and then um, she went solo but everything she's done I mean I've uh, she had an album a couple of years ago called Blood and it was absolutely brilliant Garland and she's done some cover version albums lately as well uh, Yellow and The Police and she does that oh, you live in Newton oh, John as well yeah, she does them really re- wow. well oh the Olivia Newton John one's oh, great cool. yeah. yeah but Universal Heartbeat's a brilliant song great instrumentation on it it's, there's some mm. of a, a so Rhodes piano in the in the first section and there's quite a heavy uh, chorus with a, a heart that hurts is a heart that works. Mm. Really, she, she writes really good lyrics, you know, it's kind of uh, kind of opaque. You, you know, like Carney said, you know, not really sure. But then you can have, you know, lyrics like that and still make a catchy pop hook for the choruses, you know, and uh, she does that sort of thing really well. Good pick. I, I have to catch up with her. The last stuff I heard of hers was um, what she did with Paul Westerberg oh. as the I Don't Cares. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. I must have been the last thing Paul Westerberg did as well. I think it was, yeah. Sadly. Yeah, he's not going to be doing anything. Well, he's retired. I'm on all the yeah. replacements, fans, Facebook groups, and... People constantly told her, when's he going to come out of retirement? And he's not completely retired. <laughs> Whenever he feels like it. Like, he'll come out with, he did that online thing. I don't even think he put it under his own name, where it was just like a series of numbers, and it was 49 minutes and seven seconds or whatever it was of great yeah. music, but he, he didn't really even want to own up to it. Uh, <laughs> the kind, he's a cool guy. Gregory! Yes, sir. Well, um, for my number two, I had to use rounded brackets because of the name of this song, but it's used in rounded brackets. I mean, the song just has timeless hooks, the soulful voice, the arrangement is awesome. Andrea, I want you to play this song for your daughters because I want to hear what they have to say. I want, well, I'm not going to hear because this is the one and only time you'll ever be in the same room as me because you seem really smart. Hang on, I'll write it down now. <laughs> yes, if you can please send it to us. But no, you you know this song um, off 1982's Kissing to be Clever. Okay. Culture Club, Time, Clock of the Heart. Love that song. Listen to it again all morning. Because it's one of those songs, even my son, I'll play it. And then you see him just the first time listening to it. They're bopping around and already knowing and singing the lyrics. So I just think it's a great song. Yeah, I, I must know it, but I don't, don't recognize the, the title. So, but I will. Oh, you when will. you hear it, you're going to go, oh, yep, yeah. I and you're going to go, I love that song. writing it down but in her mind she's thinking I'm not playing my kids yeah. culture club yeah. today. I, will, like, I, will, I will I will I will I will I will who's this wanker who's telling me to play the song I get no, it I but I'm just it's just a will. suggestion you don't have to do anything no. I mean you can do anything you want but 
I'm just telling you, anybody, play this for your kids, and they're going to be like, oh, wow, what's that? Is that um, a new song? It may sound a little, yeah. little dated. Sure. Yeah. You, you, I get that all the time playing my music. I'm, no, it's from 1983. It's 40 years like old. That, That's yeah. why music now stinks. Like, what are they going to do for classic radio mm-hmm. stations 20 years from now? You know, uh, Ice Spice, she in her mood, she in her mood. The whole song, she in her mood, she in her mood, she in her mood. And it's like, okay, she's in her mood. What's after that? You know, and that's it. And then you get this big old dumper shanking in front of you to twerking with like hundred (laughs) dollar bills flying in the air. It's like, this is, I I feel like an old gramps, you know, stupid. This is, this is your kid's music. The hell's wrong with you? Get off my lawn. To be fair, you sound like one right now. Well, yeah, well, because I am. Isn't that how it should be, though? We we shouldn't be getting along with the same kind of, you know, we shouldn't be agreeing on music with our kids. Uh, But their music shouldn't (laughs) suck so bad that you feel like they're being left behind either. You know, like I feel bad. I'm not mad. I feel bad for them because we had so many labels. And again, we had so many genres and we had people fighting at shows now everyone just writes in all caps I'm gonna teach them a lesson and then they write in all caps because they're gonna change the world and it's like shut up I know shut your ass sit down simmer down gramps it's like Statler and Waldorf on the Muppet show this is that's exactly culture club yeah time there you go that's I'll stop there. Oh, that, that was all to say that your number two pick is Culture Club. <laughs> yeah, yep, yep. The most hard rocking band ever. I don't think the there has angry. ever been such a vehement rant made after a Culture Club selection in probably <laughs> in the history of the world. Well, I'm glad to bring it forth Thank you. Uh, and put it on. You know, some people may find it abusive, but I'm just spitting the truth. All right. Well, what do you say we go into another break? And come back with our number ones because uh, the Darling Buds have been so, so generous with their time with us today. All right. So let's get to it. Stick around. Our number ones from our top five songs with the word heart in its title coming up after this. Hi, this is Chris Pope there from The Cause UK. And you're listening to the Only Three Lads podcast. Sometimes I just Here's one of the gems from the new cherry red box set, The Darling Buds Killing for Love. This is the 1987 Leeds demo of their classic Shame on You recorded with the Mekons John Langford and broadcaster Rob Warby. Yeah. 
Once again, thank you so much for spending time with us. It's the Only Three Lads podcast. Each and every week, we get to do what we love to do. Talk about the golden age of alternative music from 1974 to 1999. I'm Uncle Greg. Brett Vargo, the academic of this podcast, is here. And, of course, the Darling Buds. Yeah. We have... Andrea, we have Harley, we have Matt, and there are third lads this week. And uh, just once again, thank you thank guys you. so much for getting tricked into doing this podcast and spending this time with us. We do appreciate it. Let's talk about the present and recent past. So band goes your separate ways. You do the things you do during that time. You raise a family. You start other careers. Then you reconvene, sell out gigs. You record the Evergreen EP in 2017. I know you have at least one gig coming up. How has this round been different for you? Just basically a hobby now, isn't it? We haven't got to write any songs for anybody else. A label, we just, if we want to write new songs, we do it because we fancy doing it and then we think it sounds good. So we've done a bit of recording, but it's purely hobby fun. Well, it always, it's always been fun anyway, but it's a hobby now. So it takes yeah. the pressure off and um, we can only do gigs when uh, it fits in with everyone's agenda and what their, you know, their calendar, as long as it fits in with what people are doing, we can do the odd gigs. But yeah, there's no pressure really. The only pressure is, is we put on ourselves to get some you know, recording done. But yeah, it's just absolutely fun. We are absolutely loving the new box set, Killing for Love. Cool. Great. Great. So, Thank Brett, you. what is your number one song this week? Well, okay. So, for my number one, we know that love is in the heart and my heart will go on and on and all of that. <laughs> so, Celine Dion, obviously. Number one. There you go. Number one. But you know what else is in the heart? Gold? No. Groove. <laughs> Groove is it? Andrea beat me to it. Yes, my number one. Ah, Andrea is again. Look at her. Groove is in the heart. Trendsetting. Wow. She is a trendsetter, absolutely. <laughs> and I can't think of any more complete, at least in terms of 1990 music, any more complete or kaleidoscopic convergence of past and present in one track, right? I mean, you listen to the song and it's a it's a very nice, catchy, pleasant song, but you think about how it was constructed. There are at least a dozen samples in here from the likes of Herbie Hancock, that amazing bass line, Vernon Birch, Billy Preston. I mean, even the sitcom Green Acres. So the way they put it all together is in and of itself impressive, but a lot of times if you cram too many ideas into a song, you risk disaster, right? But in this case, it all seamlessly fits together and creates something that sounded organic, funky, danceable, a little trippy, fun, wildly catchy, familiar, but new at the same time. house, hip-hop, funk, disco, psychedelic, pop. I mean, all in one track. Plus you have Lady Miss Keir delivering that sultry and playful hook. Plus a Bootsy Collins cameo, a rap from Q-Tip. Amazing. So one of the great party songs of all time. My number one this week, crossover with Andrea Groove is in the heart. And you know it is, baby.
Wow, great pick. That's it for me. Number one for you, Harley. Well, Andrea, again, chose my number one, which was Heart and Soul by Joy Division. This seems to be a trend here. So I, I thought it was a minimum of five as usual. So I, I had a few more, like I normally do. So great. I've got three others, but I got two with no story whatsoever, and I don't know much about them. I got one with a little bit of a story roughly connected so i could go with my heart in the real world by the Minutemen. good choice mm. i remember when we were recording in new york with uh don fleming is that correct mm-hmm. from gumball a motley crew of guys used to come into the studio all the time and there'd be like uh thurston moore uh jay mascus richard hell richard hell would come oh. along and they would all bounce around and thurston used to take us out and Thurston took um, I think it was to Maxwell's in Hoboken mm. and we went to see Firehose and I remember being totally blown away absolutely blown away that the, the, these musicians were just fantastic uh, bass play was superb it just it made me sort of think oh my god you know I thought I could play guitar and I thought I could play an instrument, but I definitely can't. You know, they were absolutely fantastic. <laughs> and then from there, I just sort of went back into the Minutemen and a bit of history. I'm a victim of backless and love girl, but the world was wrong and I was forced to march in line. Finally, it felt like handcuffs, but she's disregarding my pronouns. I am defeated. I'm a cool damn clay. Short songs, great guitar playing, superb for me. And that album, the the, the minute, what's it called now? Man. Double nickels on the dime. dime. That's it. Double nickels on the dime. Yeah. So sounds like a Tom Waits song as well. Mm. But it's just a classic <laughs> song with all, like all short songs. Brilliant. I love the sound yeah. of it. Sure. Uh, and I guess this song, just because it had heart in it, I suppose. But um, that's about about oppression. It's about somebody being, I think, forced to do something they don't particularly want to do and that kind of thing. But great. That's my, that'll have to be my number one choice. Numero uno. Fantastic double album. And uh, obviously D Boone lost him way too yeah. soon. Bro. Yeah. 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 They a great before. talent yeah. there. But I came to Minutemen quite late, I think. Uh, I sort of got into that. But it was Thurston that really introduced me to that kind of kind of thing thurston moore is a good one to introduce you to a lot of great music <laughs> yeah he used to come up to the studio and he'd he'd, he'd buy records from sort of like thrift stores and uh, street and he'd come in every day with a record and say look what i got today look what i found today searching for a crate digging or something like that and he does have something wow. like and he put it on and would listen to this album and uh go yeah thurston yeah great you know that's my kind of guy he was constantly listening to stuff and introducing to new stuff and all right, you got one more you can pull out, Andrea. Well, I just I keep nicking everyone else's, so I may as well just give well, it. See, to now the you boys. can't nick anybody else's. I'm going to give it. I'm going to hand it over to to Matt or, or Harley. Um, All the pressure's on yeah. you, Matt. I'm going to go with um, the Nightingales, Ace of Hearts. They're not a band I don't think have ever crossed the pond. I don't think they've ever toured or even had 
records released in the states, but they're kind of a classic in, indie band in in the in Britain. They 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 started in sort of 1979, I think. They they they're sort of one of those bands. They have more. They're second only to the Fall for a number of Peel sessions, and. Uh, They've released tons and tons of albums, but he never really broke through like the full They had a bit of a resurgence a few years ago and started releasing albums regularly again. And, um, they came uh, and supported us. We do, we do a regular, one of our regular gigs is uh, uh, in London. So it seemed to happen once a year. And the Nightingales supported us. And it was just so good for, if I felt so honoured that they, they... Yeah, they're lovely people, aren't they? Yeah, Robert Lloyd, the singer, is just one of my favourite lyricists. He's just, well, he's a bit like Beefheart or Tom Waits. He tells these incredible stories, but he's got a real strange way of looking at the world. You know, he's kind of cynical. Uh, it's really funny. And um, their live gigs are, are amazing. They just, they just sort of, they don't, they plough through the whole set without stopping at all. Scattergun lyrics, you know, constantly go. It's, it's a bit like, you know, I don't know how he remembers the words. It's like, you know, like Sleaford Mods or something like that. You know, you watch these bands and you think, how on earth do you remember all these words? <laughs> <laughs> but um, his lyrics are so good. But Ace of Hearts is a brilliant song. I, I got a feeling it's kind of his, his answer to Ace of Spades. By Motorhead, but that's just my oh, that's just yeah. my interpretation of it. Wasn't, wasn't there a film recently, Matt? Did they did he do a film with? Um... Yes, Stuart Lee yeah. did a film of uh, of Finn. Yeah, it's it's an excellent film. It's a bit bizarre. Yeah, he was in a band called the Prefects, who were the sort of Birmingham's first punk band, and they sort of they supported the Sex Pistols when they first went to Birmingham, and then they and the Clash, I think. They got there. Yeah, they toured that the, one of the first Clash tours. The Prefects were one of the support bands, and they got kicked off after two nights, I think. And because Bernie Rhodes called Robert Lloyd and a bunch of amateur wankers, so they they called they called one of their albums <laughs> amateur wankers. <laughs> but he's a national treasure anyway, Robert Lloyd, and uh, we're lucky to have it. And they're one of those bands who have come back, I think, as strong as ever. Oh yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean that—that that is the one thing about it was a growth. One of the things about being in a band at our age. I mean, he's ten years older than us, and he's still doing stuff as you know easily as good as anything he's ever done. You know, it's not like you're sort of just flogging a dead horse. Yeah. He's, he's just got tons of ideas and energy, and this everything he does is, is still just as good as the last thing. So uh, it's you know. All right, Greg, bring us home. All right, bringing it at home. My number one song, it is a Neil Young song, but this band made it their own. Peaked at number 97 on America's Billboard Hot 100 in 1992, but it did top the top or the Hot Dance Club play chart. And uh, I love this song. I listen to it often. It's St. Entian. Etienne? Ask yeah. Andrea. Yeah. Andrea? Yeah. She yeah, knows. Yeah, I, I, well, I'm, I'm down to one, one AirPod <laughs> now because they're running oh, okay. out. So um, I'm a little bit, I'm like, what? What are you Saint saying? Etienne. Um, Etienne, Etienne is my daughter's name. Oh, yes. perfect. Etienne. Etienne. Um, 
but the band Saint Etienne, this is a classic. I yeah, love it. Only love can break your heart. song I forgot about it actually oh I yeah. love it I listen to it all the time I've got I just get when I'm over I'm like I'm going down the road I'm like what song do I want to listen to and it's like if I can't figure it out it's a brilliant version I love yeah it. but that's my number one Whew. great and I love the name Etienne by the way it's beautiful oh and have her listen to Culture Club time yeah have, her, so, yeah. have Etienne listen to Culture <laughs> Club yeah <laughs> and this song too oh, yeah. I think she'll love this song too I still prefer the Neil Young version, though. Do you? Oh, I prefer yeah, this I version. Mean, totally different things, though. Totally different yeah. things. Yeah. They are totally complete. Yeah. I mean, it's it's almost was unrecognizable this, as the same song. Was this because it's all dancey? Is it that period, that For time? Me? The, the, yeah, the, the Saint Etienne version is like a like a dancey version yeah. of it. Like a, yeah. got that. Yeah. Trip yeah, up. and I just think they sort of. Yeah, it, it is quite trippy, isn't it? With the. It was a big hit over here, wasn't it? I think. Huge. Yeah. yeah huge. Yeah. yeah. All right. Well, let's go down our list. Yeah, this is the toughest part. This is where we go back and recap our lists. So if you show. don't know, it's okay. I know that Andrea's got a life to lead and she needs to get out of here. So let's speed this up. No, I'm just getting a bit hard of hearing. Yeah, yeah look at, she's going to be gone. <laughs> it's all that <laughs> rock and roll. Uh, sorry, my liver's still hanging in there. Sure. There you go. <laughs> I had number five, The Darling Buds, Do You Have to Break My Heart. Number four, Protex with a Place in Your Heart. Number three was Rabbit with Love in My Heart. Number two was pylon with feast on my heart number one was delight groove is in the heart and i have to say honorable mentions that were very tough to leave off the go-between's quiet heart really killed me because i love that song i wish i could have picked that house of love destroy the heart speaking of paul westerberg dyslexic heart and nick i I think that was yeah Yeah. i think that was like my top 10 all right harley you remember yours yeah yeah i do so I had Bad Liver and a Broken Heart, Tom Waits. Temptation Inside Your Heart, Velvet Underground. Sweet Sweet Heart by The Vibrators. Ashtray Heart, Captain Beefheart and His Magic Band. And then Andrea stole my number one, so I went for <laughs> My Heart and the Real World by The Minutemen. But I unfortunately, I had to leave off Ain't Got No Heart by Ambrose Slade. Oh, yeah. And Fill Your Heart, which Biff Rose originally did, which I know... And I prefer the Biff Rose version really? than the uh, David Bowie. Chaz, who plays guitar now in the Darling Birds, we, we grew up together and he always tried to get me into David Bowie. And for some reason, I just cannot get into David Bowie. But I did huh. like the Hunky Dory album. But when I heard the Biff Rose version, and I heard a story that David Bowie went to see Biff Rose play and came away really disappointed. <laughs> so, but chose to do that, cover that song. Yeah, it's a great song. Which is great. Yeah, yeah. And Andrea's stealing hearts to this day. Andrea, uh, do you remember no. your well, top five? Well, I didn't know it was going to be a memory game, <laughs> so I, and, I, and I can't actually. But, um, yes, we start, I started off with Heart of Glass, Blondie. Then I chose Delight, uh, Groovers in the Heart. I nicked one off the boys, which was Heart and Soul, Joy Division. Nirvana, you had. Nirvana, huh? Oh, Nirvana, Nirvana, yeah, yeah. yeah. That was number four for me. Nirvana was heart-shaped box. Yeah, Nirvana, heart-shaped box. 
which I think um, Greg had as well. And I gave my final one away because I'm all heart. Yes. You are. Yes. You are. <laughs> Trendsetter and all with heart. You passed yeah. the test. All right, Matt. Uh, five was the 101ers, Keys to Your Heart. Four was Doors of Your Heart by the Beat, English Beat. Uh, three was Sister Double Happiness, Dark Heart. Two was Universal Heartbeat by Juliana Hatfield. And one was Ace of Hearts by the Nightingales. And for me, at number five, ABC, All of My Heart. At number four, Nirvana, Heart Shaped Box. Number three, Squeeze with Nail in My Heart. At number two, Culture Club, Time, Rounded Brackets, Clock of the Heart. And at number one, St. Etienne, Only Love Can Break Your Heart. Fantastic. So there you go. Great lists all the way around. We actually already have our topic for next week that we chose uh, via the randomizer last week, right? So That's correct. Next week, we have the top five albums that you got to have on vinyl. Whew, that's a tough one. I know. <laughs> what first came to your head, Harley? What was the first one? What's one album we have to have on vinyl? Rain Dogs. Rain Dogs. That's what I'd say. Yeah. Andrea, do you have one? You're gonna... Oh, God. Don't ask me. I'm bloody hopeless. Um... You don't have to have one. There's no pressure. No, Just... I, think I can't think of it. Okay. too much pressure. Yeah, I know. I we're cope. all about pressure on this yeah, show. Yeah, do it now. Now. <laughs> Andrea, I'll tell you, a great album on vinyl is Yes's first Go album. On. It sounds absolutely fantastic on vinyl. Oh. The Yes album, the very first the yes one. Album. Is it? Yeah, the mm. very first Was that album. the first one, though? Yeah, I believe so. The I think black the first cover. one may have actually just been called Yes with the yes. conversation. That's bubble. right. Okay. That's right. Yes. But that's the one, one I mean. actually called the Yes album was next. Oh, yeah. I don't mean that one. I mean the other, the first one. You're talking about the one with the. Uh, it's got a Beatles, Beatles cover, cover on, on there. Yeah. Yes, yes, yes. And I can't remember every, what every it is little now. thing she does. Every little thing, yes. And it uh, it is go. such a great version. But it sounds on vinyl, it's like you're in the room. There's a John Coltrane album as well that you put it on, needle, and you believe that the musicians are in the room with you. It's mm. just a. Uh, it's Supreme. Love Supreme. Love Supreme. Love Supreme. Ah, yeah. brilliant album. Something you've got to have on vinyl. To London Calling by The Clash sounds yeah, incredible yeah. on vinyl. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, I you know listened to that album more than any other album I think, and uh, you know on CDs for years, and then I put the vinyl on my old vinyl copy. I was like, oh my word, you know, <laughs> this is uh, something out. The production is just incredible. It sounds huge, and there's tons of space in it, and uh, it sounds amazing. Andrea, Harley, Matt, mm. this has truly been an honor. Thank it's you. been a real pleasure for us. Hope you all have had as much fun as we have. Absolutely. Oh, ooh, now I hear a good echo. Oh, she had to turn off. Yeah. I see. Buds died. The AirPods. <laughs> no, you should hear what we have to say so that we're not saying anything Well, weird. she can still hear us. She's just muted, right? Oh, yeah. okay. See, well, there, there she go. goes. Okay, now, good. Now she's, she's <laughs> I, I want her to know what we're saying. With. <laughs> yes. Charades. Sufficient. Charades. We would like to play a game of charades with you. All right. Well, killing for love. Fan, three words. Three words, Killing for Love, box set now on Cherry Red. Fantastic set. Please, everybody, go pick it up, cherryred.co.uk. And where is the best place to keep up on all the goings-ons for the Darling Buds? Oh, um, probably Twitter. I mean, we're, we're, we haven't got much of an internet presence, to be honest with you. Um, Who needs we're, it? We kind of... I try and keep a Twitter account going just to let people know what's going on if they need to, so... Uh, that's probably the, I don't 
I hate Facebook. So uh, <laughs> we, um, we are on Facebook, but I never look at it, to be honest with you. But uh, yeah, Twitter. If we have a new album out at some point, they will have to sort out our internet presence a bit more. So keep your, keep your ear to the ground. You can count on your new friends at Only Three Lads to promote whatever the Darling Buds have going on. Thank you. We'll be in touch. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Well, thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you, everybody, for listening. And on that note, we will wave hello and say goodbye. The theme music is Frequency, written and performed by yours truly, Brett Vargo. Any other music in this episode is presented solely for purposes of review, examination, and news reporting. If you like what you hear, go to your record store and pick up the LP, CD, cassette, or 8-track, or stream it if you're one of those newfangled fancy pants. If we're lucky enough to still have these artists with us, go out and see some live music. For the latest updates, join the O3L community at facebook.com slash only3lads. We want to hear from you. And while you're at it, click on the Shop Now link for the coolest threads. Until next time, thanks for listening. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points. Fantasy Points.